Bibles, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy in chapter 3. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I told you last week that I don't know if I'm doing things backward, but last week I, my message was on marriage, and uh, it was a week before Thanksgiving, so I should have given the... Huh? Our, what did I say? Thanksgiving? Wow. Man. Valentine's Day. Huh? Yeah, yeah, there you go. We should always be thankful. Right? <laughs> wow. Okay. Last week I, I preached on marriage a week prior to Valentine's Day. Um, so uh, this morning we're going to be actually talking about the family. Um I recently uh, read an article that said uh, being a parent is fulfilling, consuming, exciting, and challenging. And I, I would agree with those adjectives. Well, I, I'm, I was going to say, uh, but I, I started thinking about it and I thought, you know, there's a few more adjectives that I would like to add to that. Uh, one of them is perplexing. Okay, overwhelming. Okay, uh, it can be overwhelming uh, in a good way and in a bad way. Okay, it's, it just, you know, so it's overwhelming. Uh, motivating, it should motivate us to be better people so that we can be better parents. Uh, and very satisfying. Uh, and, and I'm sure we could come up with even more, uh, but those were some that I came up with. Um, uh, to say the least, being a parent includes difficult times. But I believe the good times outweigh the bad times by far. It is truly a privilege to be a parent. Now, actually... As a grandparent, uh, it has given me, being a grandparent has given me a different perspective of being a parent. You know, I, I've, I, I often have heard, you know, for years, grandparents say, wow, I should have started with being a grandparent before being a parent. And, and I always thought, oh yeah, that's just because you get to have fun as a grandparent. But the reality is, as a grandparent, it, I, I see things as a grandparent I never saw as a, as a parent. And, uh, it, it, you know, uh, so <clears throat> as, as a parent, and I don't know if all parents are like this, I can only speak for my wife and I, as, a, as parents, uh, most of us... <sighs> create a list, if you would, of things that we want for our children. Now, I'm not talking about a physical list, but there's just a, a mental list, if you would, that we want for our children. Uh, one of those things would be happiness. We want our children to be happy. Um, uh, for many, many parents, it's uh, a, a good education. Um, 
Uh, we want our children, for the most part, I, I, I can't, you know, now understand when I'm talking about this list, I, I'm not including every person in the world, okay, or every parent in the world. But I think most parents would want their children to be productive citizens. Uh, many want their children to have a better life than they had. Okay. Um, um, many parents want a strong moral values uh, for their children. Uh, for, for Christian parents, uh, salvation would definitely be part of that. Uh, a relationship with God. And then I, I don't know any parent that would disagree with this statement, and that is that they want their children to be happily married. I mean, these, you know, again, this was a, just a, a list that I just kind of came up with right off the top of my head. And I, again, we could continue on and on and on. So, why do we create a list? Again, it's not a physical list that we sit down and write, but some parents may, but you know, most of us wouldn't, wouldn't write it out, but we all have this list of things that we want to attempt to help to navigate our children through the maze of life so that they can accomplish these things. It, it does, it does, does that not define parenthood? You know, an attempt on our part to help our children navigate through the maze of life so that they can be productive citizens, so that they can have good educations and so on and so forth. You know, to me, that, that, is, that is the definition, <coughs> excuse me, of, of a parent. <coughs> Last Sunday evening, uh, we talked about reasons why people stop believing in God. And we had a, a pretty lengthy list of reasons why. But one of the reasons that I brought up last week is <clears throat> being forced into faith, or another way of putting it, being forced to go to church. As young people, um, and, and, I, and I get this, I've had, I've had many people since I've been a pastor, I've had many people tell me, you know, Pastor, the reason I quit going to church or the reason I uh, quit believing in God is because as a child, as particularly as a teenager, I was forced to go to church against my will. And it, 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 is, it is a big problem. Now, I want to stop right here and I want to, I want to, I want to get us to, to focus on a few things. Number one, I... I I want to say this right out of the gate. I believe in the important. I'm going to read this so that I don't misquote myself. Um, I believe in the importance of living a godly and holy life and being surrounded with church and church activities. I think that that is important. There's... There's no question in my mind that I, I think, I believe with all my heart that going to church and being around uh, other kids and, uh, and, and other things and activities and so on and so forth 
is a help a healthy thing. But I want to say this, and again, I'm going to read read, read what I wrote here because I don't want to I I I don't want to mis, misquote myself here. But embracing external factors, okay? What I mean by external factors is the list that we make as parents. By embracing that list or embracing external factors, it should not... uh, Let me read it. Okay. But embracing external factors should not be the goal in raising children. Okay, let me say this again. Embracing external factors should not be the goal of parenthood in raising our children. But just a few minutes ago, I said we all have this list that we try and attempt to get our kids to follow, do we not? But that should not be the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal for every parent should be Jesus. Not church, but Jesus. There's a difference. I'm here to tell you, if your goal as a parent is to get your kids to go to church, you might as well let them stay home. But if your ultimate goal is to get your kids to Jesus Christ, then you have the right goal. We should, first and foremost, want our children to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Secondly, we should want our children to have a desire to live a Christ-centered life. That ought to be our goals as parents. Now, the, the, the external factors or the checklist or whatever you want to call it should be secondary to Jesus Christ. Our children should not say, Do we have to go to church again? Our children should, on Sunday morning or whatever day it is, say, oh, we get to go to church today. There's a big difference. Instead of forcing our children to go to church, they should want to go to church. So, it brings us to the big question, how does that happen? How how do we accomplish this? Now, I will say this. um, There are many resources out there in the world today of how to raise children and and how to do it in a Christian home and blah, 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 blah. And, and those, many of those resources are good resources, okay? So, so please understand, um, I, I, I'm, I, I believe in, in, in getting as much help as we can as parents because, because of the fact it, it can be overwhelming at times. So the more help we have, the better, the better we are. 
But I am convinced of three necessities that we find in Scripture. Three necessities, three things that we uh, will see in the life of one man this morning. And that man, his name is Timothy. Turn in your Bible. Well, we, I already told you to turn there. So uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's start reading in verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise in the salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, as we come to you this morning, we are a needy people. There's, there's not one of us in this room this morning that can say we don't need you. We all need you desperately. And Lord, as we talk about this um, challenging subject this morning of parenthood, we ask that you would speak to our hearts and that you would encourage us, that you would help us to be more like you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The title of my message is Striving Together in Our Families. Striving Together in Our Families. Timothy uh, came from an interesting home. Uh, He did not come from a perfect, quote-unquote, Christian home. Uh, Most theologians that I I read or have read over the years uh, think that um, Timothy's dad uh, was either a pagan or an atheist. Uh, he definitely did not believe in God. Um, some theologians even believe that um, he uh, was in a uh, he came from a single family uh, uh, a single parent home. Uh, so his mom, uh, again, we're not I'm not speaking about uh, his mom and grandmother right now, but uh, you need to go back if you're not familiar with the book of. Uh, 2 Timothy, 1 2 Timothy, you need to go back and read it. But it said, it, we, it, we're told that uh, his mom and his grandmother were godly women. So Timothy grew up in a home um, mainly influenced by his mother and his grandmother. Whether or not his dad was a, was a, was a pagan or, or whether or not his dad was, was not even in the home, we, we don't really know. We're not given that information. But we do know that in the spiritual life of Timothy, he was absent. I have had people tell me <clears throat> uh, over the years, well, I'm trying to do this on my own. My husband won't back me or my wife won't back me. And, you know, you, you, whatever. Uh, or or uh, single parents that say, hey, you know what? It's hard to raise godly children by yourself and the answer to that is yes you're right 
but it can be done. And the proof we have is Timothy. Timothy is is an incredible example of the three necessities that we need in our families if we want to create an appetite for our children to do, uh, not to do, but to live godly lives. Necessity number one is the Scriptures. Necessity number one is the Scripture. Look at verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Now, this is a, this is an important statement because <clears throat> the apostle Paul is writing this letter to uh, young Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor. Uh, he was he was trying his best to pastor a church, and Paul writes the books of First and Second Timothy to to Timothy to encourage him to stay with it and to work hard. For the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he says something here that is vital. And that every every family in this room needs to get a hold of. And that is that his biblical education started as a child. His biblical education did not start when the Apostle Paul came to his town and started preaching the gospel. His education started as a child. And that is that is so important. Go back to chapter 1. Just flip over a page or two. Uh, <clears throat> chapter 1 and verse 5. says, When I call to remembrance the, the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Paul here is saying that <clears throat> the incredible faith that is in you, young Timothy, the faith that is in you. When I recall <clears throat> the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwell first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. See, Timothy's faith started as a young child his mother and his grandmother teaching him the Word of God, teaching him faith. It started then. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some statements here, and I hope you, you, you take these statements in context, what I'm trying to teach you this morning. Children's and teen programs at Grace Baptist Church are meant to be a help to you. They are designed to come alongside the Christian family and be an encouragement to the family. And this is this is the statement that I, I want you to get a hold of. Church programs are not a replacement for godly parenting. Let me say that again. Church programs are not a replacement for godly parenting. 
they are to reinforce what you should be doing at home. I don't believe by any stretch of the imagination that young Timothy grew up in a church that had a WANA program on Sunday night or a teen program on Wednesday night. I don't believe they did. Where did, where did Timothy get his teaching from? From his mom and his grandma. See, his, his biblical education, if you would, started as a child. Question, what is the key? Now, I want you to think about this because it, it's, it's really not a trick question, but you probably may think it is. <clears throat> what is the key to raising Christ-centered children? There you go. The key is having Christ-centered parents. That, that's, the, that's the answer. Now, does having a good church to reinforce the things you're teaching at home, is that important? Absolutely it's important. But it's not the key. The key to raising Christ-centered children is being a Christ-centered parent. Deuteronomy chapter 11 Verses 18 and 19. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign upon thy hand that they may be a frontlet between your eyes and ye shall teach them, excuse me, and ye shall teach your children speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. See, education, biblical education starts in the home. Teaching our children must be a priority in our lives. In fact, the next two necessities that we're going to talk about rests on the first one. If we don't teach our children Scripture, then the next two necessities that we're going to talk about this morning really aren't important. So necessity number two, salvation. You cannot have salvation without Scripture. That's why Scripture is so important to be taught in our homes. There is no greater gift you can give your children than to introduce them to Jesus Christ. Remember, the the goal is not the list, not the external things. The goal is... Jesus Christ. That has to be the goal. Luke chapter 18, verse 16, But Jesus called them unto him and said, Suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not, 
for of such is the kingdom of God. The Bible reveals our sin and our need for a Savior. That's what it's one of the things that the Bible does. Reveals our sin and the need for a Savior. You know, it's one thing as as you as you work with children. Uh, it's it's interesting. You, you know, you you'll have a kid come up and say, "Hey, hey, Pastor, I want to get saved," and uh, and they'll, and I'll always ask this question. So, have you ever done anything wrong? Oh no. Okay, you're not ready to get saved. You you don't understand what salvation is yet. But when a kid will look at you and they say, oh yeah, I've done plenty wrong. Okay, now we can talk. See, the very first thing that the Bible does is it reveals sin. And then it reveals the need for a Savior. Matthew chapter 18, verses 2 and 3. And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. It is the faith of a child that each and every one of us needs. You know, um, I, I, another thing that I have had many people say to me over the years is, oh, it can't be that simple. And my answer is, it is. It, it is so simple. Salvation is so simple. Even a small child can understand it and be saved. Praise God for that. You know, th- th- this book, many people would say that this book is, is, is confusing and hard to understand. And I, I beg to differ. See, we complicate this book. We do that. God doesn't do that. It is so important we teach our children Scripture so that God can reveal their need for a Savior. It is a choice that every one of us will make. Adult or child, doesn't matter. It's a choice that each and every one of us will have to make. Romans chapter 3 and verses 22 and 23. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of uh, Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no difference. We are all in the same mess. We all need a Savior. And when we teach our children the Scriptures, God can reveal their need through the Scripture. Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. And Jesus said unto them, that are, uh, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What is, what is Jesus saying here in a very, very practical sense? What he's saying here in a very practical sense is, you know what? I didn't come for the religious people of the world. 
I came to the people who had no hope. See, religion gives you false hope. Okay? And <clears throat> I, I, I want to say this. I am not a religious person. Hello? I am not a religious person. Hopefully you are not either. Jesus, on multiple occasions, condemned religion. And you say, but wait a second, Pastor. You're in a church. You're a pastor. You have to be. No, I do not. I, I hope and pray that I am a man that has a relationship with my Savior. See, religion is man-made and will give you false hope. But re- relationship is something that everybody can have. When you have no hope. And that's who Jesus came for. He did not come for the religious crowd. He came for the people who had no hope. And praise God for that. Now, I want to I say this. <clears throat> Absolutely. I want to I say this as, as emphatically as I can and be as kind as I can. I believe that every home should have rules to protect and to guide your children. Okay? I am not saying in this message, please please get this. I am not saying we should our homes should be a free for all and our kids should should rule the house and we we obey them. Okay? That that's not what I'm saying. Make decisions for your family based on <clears throat> what you believe the Bible teaches. And make those decisions and, 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 and stick to them. But never forget the power of the gospel in the lives of your children. We should be creating an appetite for our children to want to reach out for spiritual things. For them to say, hey, I want to read the Bible more. I want to go to church. I, need, I want this stuff in my life. Salvation is an individual choice, but it is the actions of parents that will either push their children to the cross or pull them away from the cross. See, and we all know this, but we all do it anyway. The old adage, do as I say, not as I do. <clears throat> kids, kids don't listen, they watch. And they will do what you do. They will say what you say. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, let no man despise thee, uh, <clears throat> despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and in conversation. The word conversation there means conduct. So in word, in conduct, in love or charity or love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. 
See, that is exactly how we as parents ought to be. We should be an example in what we say, how we live, how we treat others. Everything. Our actions speak louder than words. Now let me ask you a question. Do not answer this question, okay? This is a a, ref, a self-reflective answer, okay? <clears throat> Do you want your children to live like you live? Spiritually, spiritually speaking. Would you look at your life? <clears throat> would you look at your life and say, you know what? I'm not perfect in, by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I am doing my best to walk with God, and I want my kids to follow my example. Now, again, don't answer this question. At least not out loud, but answer it in your heart. Do you? Can you really say, hey, I want my children to be just like me spiritually. That's a tough question. Because if you're honest with yourself, you would probably say, no, I wish my children would be more spiritual than I am. Well, then we need to do more. We need to do more. Number three, necessity number three. <clears throat> so we've talked about the need for uh, Scripture. We've talked about the need for salvation. And hey, I actually alliterated today. Aren't you proud of me? <clears throat> necessity number three, sanctification. All three S's. Aren't you proud of me? <clears throat> I don't normally do that, but it just kind of worked out that way. Look at verses 16 and 17 of our passage here. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, verse 17 should be the heartbeat of every parent that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Again, what is what should be the ultimate goal of every Christian parent? Jesus Christ. That should be the ultimate goal. And if that is the ultimate goal, then verse 17 can become true. The word perfect here does not mean uh, uh, perfect in the sense that your children will not make mistakes. That, that's not what that means. But the word perfect here has, carries with it the context of being mature. Is that not the goal of every, every parent? Is that we raise godly children that would that have a desire to walk with Him, that would be mature in the Word of God? That should be our goal. That should be our desire this word sanctification here is a can be an intimidating word. 
And I almost didn't use it, but I, I, I wanted to, I w- actually did want to alliterate today. Um, I, 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 I almost didn't use it, but, but really the word sanctification, l- l- let, me, let me explain to you what this word means. It, it literally means the process of change that takes place in the heart of an individual after they've been saved. Paul explains it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That's sanctification. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In other words, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to like to do, I, I have no more desire for those things. I remember when I, when I got saved back in 1980, all of a sudden, I wanted to start going to church. I, I all of a sudden things in my life started changing, and my buddies that I that you know I worked with, and my you know my friends and stuff, they're saying, "Rick, what's wrong with you? Something, something. What, what's wrong with you? It's like, what, what do you mean? What's wrong with me? Well, you know, we, we you know you don't come out to the bars anymore." See, that, that's sanctification. That's that change that takes place in our hearts and our lives. Second Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 18. But we all, with open face beholding uh, <clears throat> as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I want, I want to draw your attention here to this word changed. This is a, this is a, a, a beautiful word in Scripture. The word changed here in the, in the original language in Greek is the word metamorpho. Does that sound familiar? It's the, it's the word that we get our English word metamorphosis from. And, and we all know the metamorphosis that takes place with a butterfly, right? It's a, it, you know, the butterfly turns into the caterpillar, or the caterpillar turns into the butterfly, whatever. Uh, you, you know what I mean. That is the kind of change that, that, that is sanctification. That is the kind of change. It is a complete change that takes place in the heart of somebody who has, who has asked Jesus Christ to come into their hearts. And that should be a desire for a parent. See, that is the difference between a child that says, you know, I I don't want to go to church, to a child that says, can I go to church? That is the metamorphosis that takes place. So if you want to create that desire, that, that understanding that there is more to life than living, working, dying, and, you know, it is the change that takes place in the heart once salvation has taken place as a result of reading the scriptures. You, you see the cycle? I, will, I do want to say this, that just because your children get saved, they're still 
dirty, rotten little sinners. Okay? <laughs> Just saying. Okay? A change should take place, but they're still kids. Okay? Don't expect them to walk around going, oh, oh. Okay? They're still going to get in trouble. And it's still your, your, your job to parent them and to teach them and to help them grow. But the heart is different. The primary tool that God uses in, in the lifelong pursuit of sanctification. Uh, let, 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 me, let me say that again. Sanctification is a lifelong pursuit. As long as you are breathing air and walking on this earth and you have accepted Christ into your life, into your heart, you will be in the process of sanctification. We are all a work in progress. And the thing, the tool that God uses primarily in that process of sanctification is the Word of God. Look at verse 16 of our passage. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It is the Word of God that God uses to help change the hearts of men. Once again, Scripture must be the central central theme of every family. I read, an, I read an article the other day written by someone that I know. Uh, his name's Paul Chapel. He pastors down in uh, Southern California. And <clears throat> he wrote an article entitled Four Ways to Make uh, Family Devotions Work. Four Ways to Make Family Devotions Work. Now, let, let, me, let me stop here and, and I, I'm going to uh, say something that <clears throat> I, I think is important. As a parent, we all make mistakes, do we not? But I believe in our home, with our kids growing up when they were little, the biggest mistake that I made, not my wife, but me, was we never, well, I shouldn't say never, we did occasionally, but we, we did not on a regular basis have family devotions. And that was my fault. Because of my dyslexia and, and some things God has helped me work through over the years, I, 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 had a, I was very intimidated trying to teach my children something. If, if that makes sense. So because of that, I avoided family devotions. And I was looking back on, on it, that is probably the biggest mistake as a parent I ever made. But he gives us in this article four ways to, to make it work in our homes. And, and the reason I'm sharing this is because I agree that all four of these things are, are important. Number one, set a time. Do it the same time every day. Set a time. Number two, 
start simple. Don't, don't, don't think that you have to teach through the deepest theological doctrines of the Bible to your two-year-old. Okay? I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, start simple. Hey, you know what? Jesus loves us. And, and start by, you know, uh, teaching simple Bible, Bible songs. If you don't know any Bible songs, talk to my wife. She knows them all. She even makes them up. She does. You know, she 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 created a few for our kids as they were growing up for different different situations. Number three, grow with your children. Grow with them. And then number four, emphasize application. You know, it's one thing to 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 read a story in the Bible and then and then just leave it at that. We should be as as Christian parents reading that story and then saying, hey, uh, you, you know how this story can make a, a difference in your life? You know, uh, l- l- okay, just off the top of my head because I know this is one of the stories my wife is teaching down there at, at junior church this morning is the lady who lost the coin. In her house, and what did she? What did she do? Okay, she tore her house apart and cleaned her entire house until what? Until she found the coin. And we and we can use that and say, see, it's important. We have a clean house, so go clean your room. Okay, that's not the application. Okay, just saying. I mean, you you could try it, but it probably won't work. So what's what is the what is the point of the story? What is the application of the story? Okay, something worth having is worth, worth, worth working for. Well, the whole point of the story is Jesus is, is talking. What is the next story told? The lost sheep. So what, what is the context of both of those stories? Is Jesus is not going to give up on you until he finds you. So if you ever do anything bad and you ever get away from God, God is going to follow you until you come home. Isn't that an awesome? Now, there, there may be stories in the Bible. You're going to read them and think, okay, I don't know what the application is. Uh, you, you know, there's a couple answers there. You can <clears throat> call, my, uh, call, call me or my wife, or you can just figure it out yourself. Okay, that's part of being a godly parent. Family devotions are a great way to teach the Word of God to our children. Uh, I, I, we even have uh, children's Bibles and different things that, that, we, that we sell over here at the bookstore to, to help with that. Uh, D.L. Moody said this, uh, The Bible is not given for our information but for our transformation. Think about that. So many people today use the Bible as a, a, a book of information, and it's not about information, it's about transformation, sanctification. Also, having family devotions is important, but also get in the habit of attending church regularly. Get in the habit. 
You say, but pastor, it's so hard working and I have to get up so early. And, and, and you know what? The reality is we can all make excuses. But the truth is, every time you miss an opportunity <clears throat> of the presentation of the word of God, you're robbing from your family. It's important to get in the habit of attending church regularly. Being around, <clears throat> excuse me, being around the word of God and other believers that have the same mindset of you is important. But remember, the church is not the goal. What's the goal? It's Jesus Christ. The goal is not, all right, we have to go to church. Get ready. No. We get to go to church. Get ready. There's a big difference. Success as a parent should not be measured by our children's achievements. The success of a, being a parent should not be measured by our, our children's academics, their employment, or their income. The success of being a godly parent should be measured by their relationship with God and their desire to live a Christ-centered life. Look at verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Instead of forcing our children to go to church, they should want to go to church. How does that happen? It happens by creating an appetite for them to want to learn about God, for them to want to grow in the knowledge and the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Remember, our goal is Jesus, not church. Our goal is Jesus. We do that through Scripture, salvation, and sanctification. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day.